Well, good morning, everyone. Can we at least say that this was a prettier snow than other snows we've had? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. All right. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Turn to uh, Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. And just before we jump in there this morning, uh, let me just say this. Um, I have been extremely excited and encouraged Uh, by your response to the upcoming launch of our Circle of Friends Special Needs Ministry here at Moncton Wesleyan. And how about those video stars that you saw there? Uh, Travis Day, Amelia and April are up top. Uh, Sarah Jordan, I see Jean-Marc LeBlanc. Didn't they do a great job? These guys are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We want our church community to be uh, welcoming to people and families that are affected and uh, deal with special needs. And so just a reminder... We are hosting uh, uh, an upcoming free buddy training next Saturday, March the 28th. If you're here today and you want to get involved in that, our new one-on-one peer program for children, students, and adults with special needs, this free training is for you. It's, it's next Saturday right here at the church for, at our, in our family center from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Don't worry if you don't have professional training Uh, We are going to welcome people of all different ages. And so if that seminar is on your radar, then I really want to encourage you to stop by our group's kiosk here before you leave this this afternoon. Talk to Alicia Flanagan, sign up for the event, or just just send me an email, mtapper at monktonwesleyan.com, and this will help us to plan for for numbers for next week. Thanks so much for doing this. I couldn't be more excited about this particular ministry. It's going to be really, really great, and I think that it honors God in a in a really powerful way. Well, today we are concluding our Beautiful Things series. The Holy Spirit has been, has been speaking through Pastor Tim, and we've been reminded over and over the last few weeks that beauty is manifested in all kinds of different places and, and contexts and within different people. And so this morning, we're actually going to reinforce this idea as we look at Mark Chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. We're going to use that as our launching pad this morning. Let's, uh, let's read that this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. This is the baptism of Jesus. As Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. I have a public confession to make to you this morning. (laughs) I am uh, a terrible dancer. (laughs) <laughs> I, have, I have lead feet. This is, this is me. I'm not a very good dancer. Some of you are amazing dancers, though. I've seen you. You're terrific dancers. In fact, you're light. You're swift on your feet. And let me tell you, I, I admire you. I would love to be one of those people who can dance fluidly in a passionate mamba or a smooth foxtrot. You can see that. I'm not very good here. An elegant waltz. I dream about this. Yeah. Or or maybe even an Irish step dance. But Chrissy didn't marry a dancer. (laughs) 
she got this package. <laughs> and unfortunately, dancing does not come with this rather basic Wesleyan package right here. Today, though, I, I want to start by suggesting that there is an important dance. And dancer or not, we need to understand this beautiful dance. We need to understand it as critical to our lives. So hold on to that thought as we move forward. We're going to come back to that shortly. But for now, I want you to think for a moment, what is your reaction to the following word? Trinity. Think about it. Trinity. You look in just about any Christian statement of faith, and at the front and center of page number one is a statement on the doctrine of the Trinity. Incidentally, here's our church's statement of faith. Page one, section one. It reads like this. We believe in the one living and true God, both holy and loving, eternal, unlimited in power, wisdom, and goodness. Within this unity, there are three persons of one essential nature, power, and eternity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, if you're looking for what we believe about God, the Trinity, that's our statement of faith. And let me say to you this morning, it is entirely orthodox with the universal church. It's consistently evangelical. It's creedal in that it lines up beautifully with the Apostles' Creed. Friends, if you're wondering, it is entirely Trinitarian. One God, three persons, three persons, one God. But listen, even if this is consistently front and center in literally any evangelical church across Canada this morning, let's be honest, <laughs> it's rare, isn't it, that the doctrine of the Trinity actually gets much traction on the ground in our churches. Oh, oh it's there in the background, but let's face it, it's not, it's not really likely to ignite our spiritual passions, is it? Nor is it regularly conceived as a powerful, faith-building motivation. Instead, it's more probable that we treat it Kind of like a cognitively difficult and disconnected math conundrum. One plus one plus one equals one. <laughs> or, or, or analogies. Water, solid, liquid, gas. Or God is like an egg. Egg white, yolk, and shell, and cherry pies, and apples, and three-leaf clovers. None of which <laughs> is, is likely to prompt us to stand up and shout, Yes! Let me tell you about my God. Here's an egg. Right? And so I want to challenge you to think about the following. If some pretty inspired and passionate and really smart Christians have consistently made God as Trinity a central tenant of what we believe for, oh, say, like 1,700 years, why does the idea of God as Trinity seem so impractical and irrelevant to us today? Have you ever thought of that before? Let me frame it this way. If we claim that we centrally believe something, 
but it fails to register on our radar, then what does that say about what we believe? These, uh, these questions, they've, they've preoccupied me for the last uh, five years or so. I've studied them. You'll laugh, but I've, I've scrutinized these questions. I've actually, believe it or not, collected data on these questions. Honestly, I've found it really quite, quite fascinating. Why, why would an inconsistency exist between a central Trinitarian statement of our faith and our common expression of belief, actions and beliefs not quite aligned. Are you with me this morning? Three years ago, after a, a long period of soul-searching and, and study and prayer, it dawned on me, finally, that even after several years of being a Christian, in a few years of uh, formal biblical and theological training, that even still, I had failed to put some critical pieces together about the nature of God. Here's what I discovered. Somehow, I'd missed it along the way. It's that as mysterious and difficult as understanding the Trinity actually is, and yes, it's mind-bending, that nonetheless, the idea of God as Trinity is actually brimming, exploding even, with life-shaping implications. I think that we can actually get that from the passage that we just read. It's the reality that the Trinity is, in fact, a beautiful dance. There's our tie-in, right? A beautiful dance between three divine persons. A beautiful dance between three divine persons. Look again at our text. And, and notice with me in verse 10, when Jesus comes out of the water, notice the beautiful, loving response of God the Father. This is a glimpse, friends, into the very heart of the Father, the Father's heart for the Son. Friends, we're not used to thinking and, and singing about that particular type of relationship. The Father says to Jesus, the Son, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there too. We think a lot about the Holy Spirit guiding us. But here the Holy Spirit is in verse 10, enveloping Jesus in the form of a dove and prompting Jesus in verse 12, go. Go, Jesus. Go into the desert. Do you see it? God, one in three persons, in all God's glory. A beautiful dance. No math here. No non-personal static analogies here. And friends, it dawned on me a few years back that this is precisely what I was missing. And maybe you are too today. That God, by God's very nature is communion, is communion. That within the very being of God, from all of eternity, before you and me, before creation, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, and John 1, 1, 
there was a perfect, dynamic community between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's God's character. God's nature flows out of this. It's characterized by a self-giving, dynamic, engaged, and beautiful love. Some of you have never engaged or embraced an image of God like this. Could it be that that's maybe a big reason why the Trinity is so hard to wrap our heads around? But friends, the Trinity as a life-giving and breathing dance. It's not a new idea. In fact, it's an idea that way back in the early church, our early church fathers, back in the third century, they captured this idea remarkably well. They had a Greek word for it. It was perichoresis. Para meaning surround, where we get the word perimeter, and choresis meaning dance, where we get the word choreography. Perichoresis, a surrounding beautiful dance between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, our early church fathers were Christians, and when they were trying to frame how God could be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all at the same time, without losing God's particularity, they used this word, perichoresis. They said, God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have this perfect love for one another, a passionate love to the point that their very being is involved in one another. They dwell in one another. They live for one another. They're infinitely satisfied. Their identities are wrapped in one another. They defer to one another. Beautiful. Beautiful. Trinity. Perichoresis. Mark chapter 1. Spirit descending. Father speaking, Son listening. Friends, this isn't the picture uh, of a lonely God that exists way, way off in the dark space. And it's not a picture of some authoritative God hurling judgment and wielding power. Catch this. It's not the image of a narcissistic God who needed to create you and me to satisfy some empty divine longing because God was all alone. No, this is a God who in God's very nature, ontologically, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is beautiful, is perfect, is complete, Love, Holy Trinity. And so this is the point of the sermon <laughs> where uh, you're saying, okay, Mike, all right, <laughs> but, but we still haven't quite made that connection to, to relevance. If it's true that God's being is something akin to a divine dance, well, what are the implications of all this? What are the implications? Well, here's one implication, and I think that it applies entirely and very much to you in our, situa- in our situation today. Follow along with me. If, from all of eternity, ultimate reality is a community of God, trinitarianly knowing and loving, and you and me ourselves are created in the image of God, 
in that we were never intended to live alone, right? Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve, that whole deal. Then what this implies is that part of our ultimate reality is all about our loving relationships with each other, right? You see, our desire to engage one another in community, in relationship, it's actually primal. We create relationships when we don't have them, however shallow they are sometimes, in order to fulfill those desires that we have for other people. Why? Because God made us like this. And here's what that means. It means, friends, that we need each other. Some of you are introverts here. Some of you are extroverts here. It doesn't matter. Introvert, extrovert, we crave perichoresis. <laughs> we crave community. Here we are in our context today, inundated all around us in our culture with messages that say to us, we're self-made, we're autonomous, we're free individuals that can do whatever we want, we're untethered, we're unreliant on other people, and what do we do? <laughs> we seek relationships, right? We look to connect. Friends, God created you for community because God is Trinity community. Catch this. We don't pull away from others to get our identity. No, we immerse ourselves into the lives of others and it's within that community that we actually learn who we are. And friends, God is pleased with this. And so it is in our tiny little corner here in snowy eastern Canada, <laughs> here at Moncton Wesleyan, we want to create that sort of healthy community in which, in which that deep relational longing inside of you is actually satisfied. You see, we were created to connect. It's who we are. It's, it's the way God made us. And who are we? Who are we? Well, here's a snapshot of, uh, of who we are. Let's take a look. I'm a professional librarian. I was a translator in several languages. I also enjoy uh, writing short stories, articles, and columns. And I've been published in magazines, uh, newspapers, and anthologies in Latin America, Canada, and Europe. Right now, I believe God is pointing me in the direction of missions, but I know that between now and when I graduate, He will continue to make things more clear. I work at Medabi Blue Cross as a programmer. I'm so proud to be part of keeping people's health. I believe God has blessed me with a gift of a listening ear and a sympathetic heart as people share with me one-on-one. -on -one. I thank God for this gift as I feel it brings them one step closer toward their healing and freedom. I want to be a police officer because my uncle Dil my uncle Dilly is a police officer too. My primary profession is I'm the coordinator of the Mapleton Teaching Kitchen at Moncton Head Start. I teach all ages how to cook nutritional meals. Other professions that I do, I also am an aquafitness instructor at the Riverview Aquatic Centre and I teach first aid. Hi Sandy, look at me. Told you I'd be famous someday. Look at me on the big screen. 
I'm in information technology, specifically in healthcare, and I'm, my giftedness is leadership. When I'm leading, I, I live inspired, motivated, and energized. I am a nurse at We Care Home Health Services. I gain true happiness through understanding the importance of family and of living at home as long as possible. I've been a pharmacist at Ford's Family Pharmacy for almost 15 years. It's a great feeling when someone comes back excited about how much better they feel. My main passion in my life is to get my carpentry papers, enjoy spending time with friends and family, and breaking ankles on the court. I'm not that old yet. Right now I would say my biggest role is being a mom to my two small children, but no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I have found that my greatest joy comes from staying sensitive to and following through with the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It is so beautiful just to know that when we turn gray and retire, that our God still has a plan and a purpose for us in the ministry of His kingdom, and I thank Him for it. I'm passionate about being involved in my children's activities, whether it's officiating at swimming or coaching them in hockey. I love coaching and instructing and seeing a team develop into great little players, but more importantly, into great little people. I am a passionate, passionate sports fan who's given me the opportunity to socialize with other sports fans such as myself. I pray one day that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Cup someday. I'm a professional life. Uh, isn't that awesome? I want to be part of a community of great people like this. Don't you? Don't you? Amen? Diverse, multi-talented. Did you catch how other-centered those testimonies were? Programmers, teachers, leaders, full-time moms, nurses, uh, professional listeners, retired pastors, sports coaches, future missionaries, police officers, basketball players, man, even Leaf fans, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Friends, this is who we are. This is who, this is who you are. And that's who we were created to be. Video participants, thank you. Thank you for inspiring us this morning. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And so... A practical outcome of God as beautiful Trinity is that God created us in his own image and we reflect God when we live in healthy relationships with other people. It makes us complete. And so if you're new here this morning, if today is your very first day at Moncton Wesleyan Church, we want to welcome you and we would be honored to get to know you better. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling alone, let us help you feel more part of a family. And, and if you're feeling disconnected here this morning, then let's talk about ways to get you connected. And if you are looking to get more involved in a community where there's accountability and responsibility, and responsibility then we want to help you with that too. I'd be thrilled I'd be thrilled to chat with you this week. Please come. Call, email, text. We'll talk seriously. There's nothing I enjoy more about my job than helping you cultivate 
these kind of healthy, rich, and loving relationships. Relationships that are rooted and find their impulse in our Trinitarian God. Are you following with me this morning? Just nod. Yeah, thanks. Okay, let's move on. Here's another practical outcome that grows from this, and you've been great listeners. Hold on, we're just about done. Another practical outcome that comes from this is an increased awareness of God as Trinitarian dance. And this is a remarkable thought if you're able to grab onto it, I think. Grab hold of this, friends. If God was a perfect, complete community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, before creation, then he must have created us not to get... We okay? (laughs) Okay. He just said keep going. All right. Not just to get friends, but to give this perfect community to us. He must have created us for our benefit to enter into this dance. Consider this. Maybe you've never thought of it before. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin... What was our Trinitarian God getting out of this? What was he getting out of this act? You may say, well, he was getting our worship. And he was getting our adoration, the whole human adoration, or the adoration of the whole human race. Listen, God already had perfect Trinitarian communion and adoration before creation. And frankly, it was probably, and it is, a lot better Worship than anything that we can humanly offer. Catch this. God experienced perfect perichoretic community in Trinity, but then he chose to move out and create a world and create us, create you and me, and center in on us with an unconditional love, not because of anything that God would get out of it, but for our benefit. Friends, if you begin to see that, and it becomes a beautiful thing to you, then you've begun to enter into life as a Christian. When Jesus died on the cross, he was coming to you and saying, can we dance? Can can we dance? Jesus... Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he invites us to dance today. He invites us to dance. Christian, seeker today, non-Christian, maybe you're an atheist here today. Maybe you're an agnostic. What's your response? We can move toward God in obedience and faith. We can say, I trust you. 
In John chapter 17, verses 21 and 24, Jesus is praying to uh, God the Father just before his ultimate betrayal. And he's praying for the believers. He's praying for us. And here's what he says. John chapter 17, verses 21 to 24. He says, Jesus, I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and catch this last part and have loved them even as you have loved me. I want you to think about perfect Trinitarian love, the perfect Trinitarian love of God the Father and the love that God the Father has for God the Son and vice versa. Jesus says here, Father, I want you to love them in the same way that you love me. Friends, you will never, ever experience a greater love than this. Ever. You can't earn this love on your own merit. Our sin prevents it. This love isn't earned, friends. It's freely given. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God loves you. God delights in you. The intimately intense love that God has for himself is turned toward you this morning. Think of it. The perfect Trinitarian communion that defines God within the Godhead, perichoresis, he now turns it outwardly towards you. Listen, you are as beautiful to him as a bride to a groom. Your best response? Reach out to him in faith. Reach out to him. Acknowledge your sin. And accept the invitation to dance. Friends, none of us here this morning can survive without being part of this dance. You'll die without being part of this dance. The Christian vision of reality, the most beautiful vision that there is, is that in and around and above and below and behind the ultimate canvas of our world is a Trinitarian God. The reason why you exist today is because God is Trinity. The reason why you take your next breath is because God is Trinity. The reason why you think your next thought is because God is Trinity. God, friends, is a Trinitarian dance. God turns toward us, and we have a choice. We have a choice to reach out beyond ourselves (laughs) to other people, 
in human relationship and ultimately to reach out to the loving God in grateful trust. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. You've been tremendous listeners this morning. I realize it's been an unusual day. But uh, I'm going to ask you to um, just quiet your heart just for a few moments. We're going to pray a short prayer together here in just a few moments. For some of you, it'll be a prayer prayed by Christians who uh, genuinely desire to connect with God and want this morning to either understand that that God-human relationship can be embraced in a new way, or maybe you're here this morning, you just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you've felt compelled to recommit some aspect of yourself to a triune God who is love and extends that love to you. And by praying this prayer, what you're doing essentially is you're committing to that relationship once again with heads bowed and just with a quiet, discreet show of hands. Are there those this morning who I've just described? Anyone? Yeah. 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 For others of you, you've never responded to a talk like this before. This is something totally new. And the invitation to engage in a relationship, a dance with God, is something maybe entirely new, something that's entirely foreign. And so this prayer applies to you too. And, and I'm going to invite you, if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray it along with us. And by praying this particular prayer, you're acknowledging your need for God, ultimately your desire to, to become a Christian. So I'm just going to pause for a few moments. Let's gather our thoughts and, and then we'll pray together. Father Almighty, you are the creator of heaven and earth. And we invite you this morning to set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the son of the living God. Have mercy on us sinners. Holy Spirit, you are the breath of the living God. Renew us in all the world. In Jesus' name.